Welcome to the Redeemer Lincoln Square podcast. Our church began in April of 2017 and is located just down the street from Lincoln Center in the Lincoln Square neighborhood of Manhattan. Our channel will primarily feature sermons from our Sunday worship service, as well as encouraging stories and conversations with members of our LSQ church family. We hope you'll subscribe as a way to stay connected during this season of uncertainty and social distancing. Good morning. Scripture reading today is from Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, 1 Peter 2, verses 4 and 5, and 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Amen. Good morning again, and welcome to Redeemer Lincoln Square. We've been looking at the Ten Commandments um, the past few weeks, and each one of these commands, I think we're starting to see the pattern that they are implicitly asking us to diagnose our hearts. They're asking us to ask questions of ourselves, because as we've already talked about, if the commands are, at, are blueprints, if these, this is the manual of life of how to live, we have to ask ourselves, what's our association with them? What's our, um, how, do we, how do we process them? How do we accept them? What do we, what do we do with them? How do we feel about them? And then the question is, well, if we don't feel about them at all, what do we do about that? Uh, the, the commands are here to give us a pulse on our lives. And t- today's command, I think personally, the third command is the most overlooked of all the commands. It's the one that I think is actually least understood. And, and let me just read it to you again. Uh, Sophie said, Sophie said, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And so we read that. What happens is, and I, I've done this myself, right? We read that and we go, okay, don't use, misuse God's name. Got it. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> Moving on. And I just don't want us to do that today. So let's look at three things. The meaning of a name, the testing of the name, and the owning of the name. Meaning, testing, owning of the name. So first, the meaning of a name. The meaning of the name. Again, I think most people, when they hear this command, they interpret it of, they they say, okay, to not take God's name in vain means to don't curse, right? Right? Don't do cursing, and don't be flippant with God's name, so to speak. To not curse or be flippant with, uh, with his name. And, I, and the answer is this. Yeah, that's actually part of it. Sure, that's, that's part of it. But there's so much more going on, actually. When I was a kid, I would go to Pittsburgh uh, for uh, Christmas every year. So I went to my grandparents' house every year. That's where they lived. And they had this thing there called a basement. 
Um, my kids who have grown up in New York City their whole life, we've been in apartments our whole life, it's this mythical place that's underground under your house. And for, uh, for as a kid, it was filled with this, thing, this, this stuff. It was just filled with stuff. And it's, it's very attractive to just walk through and go through this stuff. And so I, I remember as a kid going downstairs at my grandparents' house and seeing my grandfather's uh, basically um, old war things. He had his bomber jacket. He had pictures of the planes he flew in the war. And every once in a while, he would see me going through it, and he would want to sit down and talk to me about stories from his life. And I have to be honest with you, I had a really, really hard time listening (laughs) I could not sit still. He wanted to talk about pain and hurt and death. And I was like, I just could not sit still. And I actually remember one time, it's still etched in my mind, I'm, I'm pretty bummed about it, that he was really upset with how I could not listen and sit still for him. Because I didn't know how to handle it. And so when we read this command, do not misuse the Lord your God's name, I actually think it's the same thing for us. We have a hard time sitting still long enough to handle it. And I just don't want us to fidget out of this one. And so what is it really about? Well, the key is the phrase, what is in a name? Right, what's in a name really? See, I think for modern people, most of us see a name as just a symbol of an identity marker of an individual. Right, and so in ancient cultures though, there was a, that's not how they thought of names. In ancient cultures, it wasn't just a verbal symbol. It was a sign of one's essence. It was a sign of one's significance. And so when God says, you know, I'm in the tabernacle or I'm in the temple, he wasn't just saying, hi, it's God, (laughs) right? God's name isn't just God. I'm God. That's not that when you, when you hear that name, you're not supposed to just go, okay, it's God there. No, He's saying, this is where I'm present. This is the essence of who I am. Um, One of my daughters, this is true this week, uh, locked another daughter out of the room. I think it was either the bathroom or the bedroom, but it locked the daughter out. And, uh, you know, they're banging, open up. You've got to open the door. You let me in. And um, nothing happened. Until what? Until they uttered the phrase, daddy says open the door. And when that happened, well, what should have happened (laughs) was the door was supposed to open. Because why? My name is not just dad, right? My name, there is power in the name. Names that open door, literally names open doors, right? That's why people name drop, right? Which is why people network, which is why people use names. They're not just the contact detail in your phone, I would make the argument names are the first step to access with somebody. Why? Because a name means relationship. Have you ever done this? Have you ever tried to have a relationship with somebody that you've forgotten their name? This is what happens. Hey, you. How's it going, man? What's up, dude? And, you know, when somebody, you know they're supposed to know your name, and they don't, what happens? You get mad. You get, you get disappointed because what, what it shows is there's no relationship there. And so I think it's the same thing here. God is saying, hey, I want a relationship. 
I want your heart. I want you. I actually know your name, but you can't have a relationship with me unless you know my name. And so try to imagine somebody coming over to your, to your apartment, right? Somebody that you maybe really, really respect. Maybe it's an ambassador. Somebody you're trying to impress. And you know they're coming over for dinner. What do you do? I'll tell you what you do. You clean. You put away that pile of clothes that's always been in the corner that you just can't seem to get through. You, you scrub the floors. You clean the mirrors. You do the dishes. Why? Because that's what you normally do? No. You do those things because they're coming over. It's a way to respect them. It's a way to say this is not how I normally live, but I'm going to change how I live for them. Because when they come over, right, what ends up happening is, is you don't go to their, uh, you know, sorry, when they, when they come over, you don't just say, hey, thanks, nice to see you. I'm going to go up to my room right now. You don't do that when they come over. In fact, if they stay the weekend, everything revolves around them because that's what it means to know their name. Due to their name, who they are, you change how you're going to live. And so I think that's what it means to take the name of the Lord seriously. So this is what I mean by, if you zoom out, this is actually a very powerful command. This isn't just, you know, about cursing or swearing. This is, the question is, is what does it mean to have his name in my life? What does it mean to put yourself in the presence of his name? Because it would mean allowing him to come over to your house. And the question is, are you going to clean up? Are you going to ask him to stay? Are you going to be okay when he goes into the various rooms of your life? Because here's, the, here's where it gets a little interesting. If you call yourself a Christian, you're literally taking on his name. Right? That's what it means. To be a Christian, Christ, you're taking on his name. So don't take on his name if you aren't ready for all what it means to have that name on you. There's a lot of people that don't like Christians because they say Christians are hypocrites because what happens is Christians not acting like Christians give Christians a bad name. So to take on a name means you allow Christ into your life because he's coming over. And so if your home is kind of dark, he brings the light. If your home is kind of lonely, he brings the fellowship. He's going to light that, the wood in the fireplace and bring about the warmth. That's what it is. But the problem is this. I think a lot of us say, oh, Jesus, yes, I want Jesus. I want you over here. Come into this room over here. It's already nice. It's all made up. You're not going to break anything over there. And nice. Stay in this part of, the, of, the, of my house. I don't want you to come over into this part of my house. I don't want you to come into this area. And so I would like us just quickly to go through the rooms of your life real quick. And I got this from a man named Robert Munger who has a short little book called My Heart is Christ's Home. Let's go into the library or what is now known as the media room. It used to be the library. <laughs> where the books are or where the, where the news is, where the television is. And you have to ask yourself, will you allow him to see the content that is informing you. Go, go one step further. Will you allow him to revise the content that informs you? Right? Will you be okay with him rearranging the content of what is informing you? What's true and what's not true? Because what if he says this? What if he goes into that room and says, you know what? I, I think we need to change this device. I think we need to change uh, what is, what, what's informing you. 
We need to change what your imagination is being affected by. And so, uh, you know, he might say, I'd like for you to study this, the word more. I'd like for you to rearrange things a little bit more. I'd like for you to, um, you know, regularly read about who I am and what I'm about. Let's move on. Um, let's say you go, he wants to go into the family room. Let's go into the family room. Will you let Jesus into your family room where he can actually start addressing your mommy and daddy issues? Right? Will you let him rearrange those spaces? Will you, will you let him have a say about how you relate to your family? Maybe he wants to go into the rec room. In the rec room, what do you have there? You, this is where you spend your free time. And Jesus says, hey, you spend a lot of time in the rec room. And you say, well, yeah, it's where I de-stress. This is where, I, you know, I get some me time for myself finally. And Jesus says, oh, that's great. Okay, that's good. But can I give you some exercises where um, we'll figure out how to bring real joy? Can I give you some exercises that will really help you de-stress and bring happiness? How about the kitchen? He walks into the kitchen and says, Woo, all right, this is where your appetites are. Will you let him have an ad- address what you eat and drink and how you eat and drink and what you do with what you eat and drink? Maybe he goes down that hallway into that hallway closet that you <laughs> don't like to open up because there's just chaos in there. And when that closet door opens, everything just falls out. And you're like, no, 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 no. Please just don't go into that closet. Don't touch that. And Jesus is saying, no, I can help you. I can help you arrange things. I can help you work through this. And the problem is, is that you're like, I don't want you to because I don't like what you're going to do there. You might rearrange things and find things I don't want you to find. And this is where, this is where the question really hits us. Is Jesus, have you let Jesus into your life because you want him just to visit for a while or do you want him to stay? Are you going to let him into just one part of your, your house or into all the parts? Because if you call yourself a Christian, you want him to stay. You're supposed to want him to stay. And you can try, by the way, you, people do this. They try to clean up one part of their life and let Jesus only into that area. See, Jesus, look, I have a good life. It's all orderly over here. But if you're a Christian and you let him in everywhere, eventually you're going to realize and you're going to have to admit you can't keep this home clean. Not on your own. That hallway closet was always a mess. Even if you clean it, it'll become a mess again. The family room, the family room is always going to be dysfunctional at some level. The rec room is out of balance. You don't have the library ordered properly, and none of it works. And the first step is to first admit that you can't keep it clean. But he can. And so if you call yourself a Christian here today, if you don't allow him into every area of your life, it means then you are calling yourself by name a Christian, but you're not residing like a Christian. That's what it means to take the Lord's name in vain. That is what it means to break this third command. And so if you weren't breaking the command, you'd be living with integrity. You'd be living consistently. You'd be having the same in your public life as you are in your private life. And which makes me wonder, like, are, are we Sunday-only Christians? Right? Do we, are we, are we uh, you know, watching online? Hey, it's Sunday. I'm supposed to watch something online. But then on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, no effect. The rooms are closed. No access for you, Jesus. Right? Are we a Christian in our romantic life? 
Or is that the room you don't want them into? Are we a Christian in our work life? Having an effect on what we buy and sell and what we do, what we create, what we make. See, I just want us not to be Christians in name. Allow him to be at the center of your life, in all the rooms of your life. Not just the one that you want him in. God's name is his presence. It is not just an identity marker. It's his essence. And so here's, here's what it comes down to. It's really simple. Take his name or don't take his name. That's actually more consistent. But please don't take his name in vain. That's the meaning of the name. At Redeemer Lincoln Square, we value questions and the people who ask them, which is why we hold a time of question and response, or Q&R, after our Sunday worship service. It's an opportunity for anyone to text in questions and then process responses alongside our pastors and other members of our church community. If you have questions that you'd like to process, feel free to email us at lsq at redeemer.com or join us for our virtual worship service on YouTube every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. You can find our YouTube channel at lincolnsquare.redeemer.com slash YouTube. Secondly, now, the testing of a name. Do you know what happens when you steal somebody's name? It's called identity theft, right? It happens all the time. But what happens when somebody steals my name, Michael Keller, and starts pretending like they're Michael Keller online? We have to find out how to get to who the real person is, which is, by the way, you know, you see this all the time, right? When you try to log in, they're asking, like, security questions, and they're, you know, they're, they're two-factor authentication. They want you to kind of, they're going to text you as well. What are, what are those things? Those are tests to make sure you are who you say you are. And I think in Scripture we have the same thing going on. Right? I gave you the 1 Corinthians ten thirty one passage. Look at that for a second. Paul says this. He says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God, which is just a profound, that's a profound statement in of itself. But how do you know if you're really doing everything for the glory of, of God? I think there's tests that we have to come up with to make sure we're not taking his name in vain here. So let me give you two tests real quick. Test number one, to do everything for the glory of God means believing everything in the Bible, whether you like it or not. And this is a hard one. This is a hard one for modern people because you can't do everything for the glory of God unless you know what he desires. But you can't know what he desires unless you go to where he tells us about what he desires in Scripture. But if you go there and you read it, everybody who reads it will find something about it that is hard. Because if God is real, and he's not a made-up God, he's not a fake God, but he's a real God, then we must assume that he's going to want to organize our lives differently than how I would probably organize my life. Right, so what, what, what happens if we read about the sexual ethics of the Bible and they're different than my own? We say, hey, I have desires, I have needs. And what God is saying back to us is saying, yeah, you do, but I also made you and I know you and I know what you really need. I know what's actually really good for you. And so will you live your life differently than how you th- think you should? Will you accept that? Right, that's one of the tests. Or you read about biblical justice. What if, what if the, the Bible's view of justice is different than your own? The Bible says justice is giving people what they're due. 
And the only way that, that you can really do that is by disadvantaging yourself to advantage them. And yet the, the ultimate view of justice is for reconciliation. Through forgiveness and repentance between both the perpetrator and the perpetrated, there's, there is supposed to be healing there. Now that's very different than the modern view of justice. What if, the, if, there's, a, what if there's a conflict there? There's so much more written in the Bible about our pride, our good deeds, what is good, what is bad. The only way that you're going to find out about them is in the word. And I think there's power in his name. I think there's power in the word because just like daddy says, open up, you need to hold on to his name in the same way and realize this. You know what? I might not have written it this way, but you, you come to him and you go to his word and you say, show me, Lord, who you are. Show me your nature. I don't care what they say over there. I, in fact, in some ways, I don't care fully what I say. I want to know what you say. Um, another analogy of this might be, uh, you know, if you got into a business partnership with somebody and you're, you're Keller and Smith and sons or Keller, Smith and daughters, when you attach yourself to somebody else's name, you're actually giving them access to speak into your life. And so really what, you're at, what this test is saying is, is, will you let him speak into your life through his word? That's the first test. Now, second test is from for the First Peter 2, 4 passage. If you look at that right now, it says that if you come to him, he is a living stone. But if he's a living stone and you're in him, you will be a living stone too. And to be a living stone then means to be connected to him in all things. So here's the second test. It's, it's not just accepting his word, whether you like it or not. It's accepting whether, it's accepting everything, whether we understand it or not. You see, Jesus is a living stone, and I think he emulates this the most. If you go to the end of his life, the Garden of Gethsemane, what does he say? He says, Lord, your will, not mine. It's the perfect prayer. He says, Lord, I want this cup. I Please, I don't want this cup. I want it away. Can you make it go away? But not my will, but your will be done. Same thing is taught to us in the Lord's Prayer, right? What's the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, hallowed be thy name. In other words, your name is first, right? Hallowed, your name above everything else. What if you want to be married and you'll never be married? Is it thy will be done? What if you want success in life? What if you want success in your work and you, will never, and you won't have success in your life and your work? Is it thy will be done? Right? What if you, uh, you know, what if, how about this one? How, what if you got everything you've ever wanted and it's never been enough and you're about to turn to something else and look to that thing? Will you say thy will be done? Now hear me out. I'm not saying this stuff is easy. I think this is the hardest thing possible in the world to look at your circumstances, to pray for change like Jesus, to want change like Jesus, to desire change like Jesus, to ask for change even. But if change doesn't come, will you say, thy will be done or my will be done? Because if we're in his name, it's hollow be thy name. That's what it means to put yourself in his name. That's the, that's the, that would be what it would look like to pass that second test. Not just do you submit yourself to his word, but do you submit yourself to your circumstances, his circumstances for you. Last point, the owning of the name. 
If you're like, whoa, 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 Mike, what just happened there? That stuff is really hard. You just went flying through. Exactly. Because these tests are hard. What this is saying, this command is saying, don't misuse my name. How are you going to actually do that? Because by the way, just saying, okay, I'm going to do it. The law doesn't work that way. The law can't change you, to be honest. The law can reveal who you are. It can reveal your, your flaws and your needs. It can, it can convict you, but it can't convert you. And so how do we keep from misusing names? Because we do this all the time, by the way, right? We just had membership up here. People took on the name of the church, very literally. But how will we really own that when we know how hard it is to go to put ourselves under his timeline for our life, to put ourselves under his word for our life? So go back to the—I think the answer is still in the essence of what we mean by names. Did you know this? In ancient times, people always had their deeds connected to their name. It was like Sam the Valiant. You know, it was uh, uh, Becky the Brave, Bob the Bear Slayer. And you had these names connected to them, but these deeds that were for them great deeds of valor— if you were born in the lineage of these individuals, those deeds now hung over you. You had to live in light of them, which I personally believe that would be crushing in some ways. Imagine if God's name applied to you as an abstraction would just, personally, I think it would be crushing, right? I'm Michael, son of the Most High God, which means the Most High God is perfect, does everything right, never is wrong, never messes up, never fails, I can't live up to that name. You can't live up to that name. And it would, I think it would be too much, but this is where I think Christianity is so unique because it says, it, oh wait, it doesn't say to get his name, here's what you have to do. What it says is, here's what you have to do. Oh, and by the way, you'll probably never get to do it. You never will be able to do it. But there was one who did. If you go back through our text again, the name, uh, the, the, the command isn't just given, the consequences too. It says, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses the name. And this is where I was sitting with this, this whole week. I'm like, I do not do this perfectly. In fact, I don't do this well at all. In fact, you know, have I behaved as a Christian should in all places? No. Have I let the Lord into all the different rooms of my life? No. Have I actually done this? And the answer is no. So what hope do we have? And I had to go back. I had to reread all the commands over and over and over again. And I realized something. And this is, I think this is, where, this is where the grace is found. It's found in where and how the commands were given. That before they were even given, remember what God did. God said, don't forget, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. I already saved you. And I was like, okay, that's nice. It makes me feel a little fuzzy. But then I realized, wait, he gave us his name before he gives us the command. See, when he says, I am the Lord your God, he is designating and saying possessively, I'm already yours before I even ask you to do anything else. A pastor friend of mine showed me um, a story. I read it on a blog last year. It talks about a woman named Peggy Harris, whose husband, Billy D. Harris, went missing during World War II. And he was a pilot, and uh, she was originally told that his plane went down 
in July 1944, and then he died, but they never found the plane. And so she knew that he, he had died, but the War Department didn't know where. And so Peggy Harris was pretty persistent. She said that wasn't enough. So she started writing her congressman about the issue starting in 1944 and for months and then years and then decades. 50 years later, she's still writing. This is 2005 now. And she finally gets her answer. Interestingly, it wasn't actually through the War Department. Her cousin went over to France and just started asking around. And what they came up with is the fact that they found that his plane was shot down over a very small French town. And while this plane was going to crash, it was about to hit the town. At the very last minute, it veered and hid in some woods next, uh, right next to the town. The villagers buried him in the local cemetery. They knew who he was because of his dog tags, and they were so grateful for his sacrifice. Because they saw the plane coming, the eyewitness account saw it, and then it veered. And what's interesting is this small town, yearly, since 1944, would walk up and down the main street called Place Billy. They, they renamed the, the, the square Place Billy de Harris to remember his sacrifice. And so when this widow came over there, they were so over, overjoyed. There was a huge ceremony. The whole town celebrated. Why? Because this man came to France to save. And he dies for them. He literally gave up his life for this village. And you want to know what they did? Their natural response, the human response, was to say his name. To say it regularly. To rename their whole town oriented around this individual. They kept his name in their mouths because their lives were given by him. And I heard that and I said, will I do the same? Will we do the same? You have been saved. You have been redeemed. Jesus has defeated the powers and principalities that hang over your life. He took the hit. It's not clean up your life and then you'll get him. His name was already given to you. Before the rescue, I've, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of. Underline your issues. Underline your pain. Underline you, your Egypt. And he has brought you out of that. And now it's just like Jesus could go to God and say, Father, guess what? You and I have that access. It's not obey and then you'll be accepted and loved. You're already accepted in love. And now all obedience flows out of knowing him as daddy, as a good dad. He has the authority now to unlock the doors of your life. He has the ability that you can proclaim in his name and doors will open. To hold his name then is to receive him and accept your acceptance, inherit your inheritance. And the way to take his name is to stop looking to build your own name. Right? You can only let him be your savior if you stop yourself from actually trying to be your own savior. And some of you, at least personally, you might be saying, I'm not trying to save myself. I'm not. All right, but then why don't you spend more time with him? Why don't you let him into more rooms of your life? We can trust him because he's trustworthy. And if you do, your life might not go the way you want. I'm going to have to be honest here. It might not, uh, you know, his ways might, might not be your ways. 
but you will be with him and he will be with you. Please enter this joy. There are so many distractions in this world. There are so many things that you can just bury yourself in your rec room or in your media room. But enter into the joy of, of the Lord. If you're a Christian, you already have his name, friends. You have his name. Now accept his love in his life and his heart. If you are not a Christian, or if you're somewhere in between, I'll just read one last passage for you from Revelation 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. Let him in. Christians, let him in too. Right? There is beauty and depth and wonder as well as a house cleaning. How can you go out and help and clean other people's lives if, if we need it first? No matter how messy your life is, no matter what that looks like, he wants to come in and he will clean it up. And when he does, he'll then send you out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a good word. Um, it's such a hard text. It's a hard text, Father, because what does it mean to not miss your, use your name? Father, we don't connect naturally, but now that we know it's your essence, it's all who you are, and when people call themselves Christians, we need to place ourselves there. Help us to see that when we don't place ourselves in just a, a if you... If you do, 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 then I'll accept. No, you've already accepted us, Father. You've already brought us in. And now, Father, when we're healed, as we're healing, as we're still already but not yet in our own lives, you will send us out and to be able to do love and mercy and care. Thank you for your church, Father. Help us as imperfect vessels to do this together. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to our church podcast. We pray that it can serve as a resource for you as you continue processing aspects of Christianity and growing in your faith. We hope you'll subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. And we invite you to check out our website to learn more about our church and how to get connected to our family. Just visit lincolnsquare.redeemer.com.